Welcome to this American Journal of Gastroenterology podcast. I'm Brian Lacey, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic Jacksonville and Co-Editor-in-Chief of the American Journal of Gastroenterology, along with Brennan Spiegel, my Co-Editor-in-Chief from Cedars-Sinai in Los Angeles. I'm delighted to be speaking today with Dr. Patrick Young, who is in the Department of Internal Medicine, Division of Gastroenterology at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, and who is also a professor of medicine at the Uniformed Services University in Bethesda, Maryland. Today, we'll discuss his recent article, How I Approach It, Using Ergonomics to Prevent Injuries to the Endoscopist, which was published online in the red section of the American Journal of Gastroenterology earlier this year. Dr. Young, welcome. Let's start simply. Many people use the term ergonomics, but how do you define that term in relationship to gastroenterology? Well, Brian, ergonomics in this instance is really just optimizing the interface between the endoscopist, the patient, and the endoscopic equipment to be able to best perform the procedures that we need to be able to perform while minimizing the risk to the endoscopist and the patient. Great, important issues. And tell us why it is so important to gastroenterologists. Well, as you know, in today's world, most gastroenterologists perform endoscopy as a major portion of their practice, and endoscopy often requires the use of sustained grip and torsional forces and sometimes the maintenance of awkward positions to achieve our desired clinical goal, for example, putting the big polyp at 6 o'clock so that we can resect it. And these exposures increase the risk for both acute and chronic musculoskeletal problems. So, Patrick, thinking about this, and and since we all spend a lot of time in the endoscopy suite, what are some of the most common types of repetitive use injuries associated with performing endoscopy? Well, the most common ones that have been reported are primarily in the hand, so things like decrovanes, tenosynovitis, or, or carpal metacarpal joint, right at the base of the thumb there, getting arthritis in that joint. Uh, other common things that have been reported are chronic lower back pain or neck arthritis and occasionally shoulder issues as well. Okay, a whole host of possible injuries. And, and as a group, and also individually, how common are these injuries and disorders? Well, Brian, most of what we know in this regard comes from surveys, and so there are some limitations to exactly how sure we can be. That said, when you look at what has been published, some trends emerge. So the majority of us will experience a musculoskeletal injury related to or at least exacerbated by the performance of endoscopy at some point in our career. And the highest in the studies you look is in the 80%, most range around 50%. And more importantly, a significant number of those who are injured, around 50% of those will need to take some sort of action because of that. And sometimes this means decreasing the number of procedures that one does. Sometimes it even means stopping endoscopy altogether for a period of time. There are a number of medical and surgical treatments that have been frequently reported, everything from just taking non-steroidals or getting actual steroid injections to requiring surgical repair, say, of surgical discs or those kinds of things. What's interesting to me is that these injuries appear to begin fairly early in one's career. So a paper published just a few weeks ago shows that many, if not the majority of fellows, experience some sort of painful condition related to endoscopy, most within the first year of their fellowship. Wow, those are kind of staggering numbers, 50%. Those aren't great odds. So, Patrick, thinking about how common these are, why do these injuries occur? Are they just bad luck? Is it an equipment issue or is it a performance or training issue? 
Well, Brian, I, I'm always reticent to chalk anything up just to bad luck. The most correct answer is that we don't fully understand why one person may develop an injury while another person exposed to what seem to be very similar forces does not. Uh, but I can say that scope design certainly plays a role. The current video endoscopes that we use were revolutionary certainly when they first came out, but the fact that we're still using devices where we take our thumbs and mechanically turn a wheel using a pulley system to move a scope tip seems a little bit antiquated. Uh, I think moving toward electromechanical assistance and a more intuitive, maybe video game style controlling device would go a long way toward reducing injuries. Of course, broadly implementing these kind of systems uh, would take time, and so a lot of what we, for example, discuss in the article is about what can you do today while we wait for those things to come. As far as equipment goes, we're going to talk a little bit about how to set up equipment, which can help performance and training, or it's unclear how much training helps, but I think that because of some of the, the body position factors and some of the equipment position factors, um, we can assume that training you in the correct methods will decrease your risk of injuries. I like your commentary that we're using very expensive equipment with old-fashioned technology such as a pulley, and maybe we can do better. So, Patrick, you briefly mentioned it, younger healthcare providers and younger endoscopists, um, and who else is most at risk to develop these types of injuries? Well, Brian, a lot of them are things that you would intuitively presume, such as the length of time performing endoscopy, the number of procedures per week, and, and more than 20 per week seems to be a cutoff, the amount of time you spend per week doing these. And then people who do ERCP and have an additional control surface to work with that left thumb also seem to be uh, at increased risk. And while women are not at increased risk per se, there are at increased risk of certain types of upper extremity injuries uh, when compared to, to men of similar endoscopic volume and, and performance time. That's very interesting. So you've kind of alluded to this fact. We've used the words performance and training, and in your red section article, you use the term endoathlete, which I really liked. Tell us what you mean by that term, endoathlete, and why it's important in the endoscopy suite. A lot of it is a mindset, really. So when you think about professional athletes, Brian, these folks spend years developing their physical and mental skills to be able to perform at the highest levels. And athletes are well aware that in order to perform at the top of their game, they need to take care of themselves off the field as well as performing well on the field. So things like stretching and mindfulness, good nutrition and rest are the cornerstones for optimizing present performance and for maximizing sport-specific longevity. In the same way, you and I have spent years training our bodies and our minds to perform uh, endoscopy at what I hope is an elite level, and yet many of us spend so much time worrying about taking care of patients and just getting the day-to-day -day business of life accomplished that we pay less attention to our own health than we should. Should. So viewing ourselves as an endoathlete represents a paradigm shift intended to emphasize the importance of self-care in optimizing the resilience and durability of the endoscopist. And for those who are interested in seeing some practical examples of this, they can check out our ergonomics video on the ACG's education universe. Wonderful. I really like this concept. And again, going back to what you mentioned before, if 50% of us may develop some type of injury, this training and technique is just critical. So, Patrick, we kind of mentioned this a little bit before, too, but we're all being asked to do more, not just in clinic, but certainly in the endoscopy suite. And this includes not only doing more procedures in a shorter period of time, but also more complicated procedures. Can you give our listeners some tips about ways to prevent or minimize the types of injuries you've discussed? 
Absolutely, Brian. So first, we need to ensure that our equipment, meaning monitors, beds, towers, etc., are adjustable. I mean, just imagine how terrible it would be if you had to drive in a car all day and the seats and steering wheel and mirrors could not be optimized for your comfort and safety. And yet that's the situation that some folks find themselves in with monitors that are affixed to the wall, for example. Second, we need to give ourselves a break literally. Several studies in the surgical literature show that taking small breaks during the course of surgery to go through a specific set of stretches decreases both fatigue and enhances performance. And these so-called micro breaks were done every 30 minutes or so, and the stretches could easily be done in between cases in the endo unit where procedures don't typically last longer than 30 minutes. And when this was studied in the surgeons, what they found is there was actually no increase in surgical duration, likely because the surgeons could be more effective and efficient because they were less fatigued. And finally, I think it's vital that we educate and empower our endoscopy room staff. Often we get so focused on what we are doing that we don't notice when we slip back into some of these bad ergonomic habits that we've developed. So having another trained eye who can correct your posture, your grip, et cetera, can go a long way in keeping you healthy. Patrick, this really has been a wonderful conversation. I certainly learned a lot from your article. I know that our listeners have learned a lot from this podcast, and especially if they look at your article and at the website with your video. Any last thoughts for our listeners? Well, Brian, I just want to emphasize just how important it is that we take care of ourselves. So if you're out there and you haven't done so, take a look at what you're doing. Think about how you can optimize your endoscopy suite and your personal practices while we wait for more ergonomically friendly endoscopic devices to arrive. Great. Patrick, once again, thank you so much for your dedication to the field and for educating our listeners. We really appreciate it. Brian, it's always a pleasure talking with you.